welcome to our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Have you ever had a question for the opposite sex in which you seek to be answered authentically? On this podcast, that is exactly what we do. I discuss intimate topics with guests as they share their point of view about dating, sex, and relationships. We are raw and authentic to reveal the essence of how the opposite sex feels about today's topic we are exploring. If you have a question, please feel free to write to us and ask. It just might inspire our next episode and get answered. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's dive in deep to today's topic. People are communicating so much to us without ever uttering a word. That's why I thought it was time to discuss body language. I've invited Tracy Thompson, co-founder of Truth Plain and co-author of Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. The new book explains all these subtle cues to assist us when dating or even in our current relationships. Tracy advises the world's top companies and individuals on their biggest questions around communication and body language. Her background directing and training performers internationally in the psychology of movement, as well as her professional experience analyzing and supplying solutions to the drama we find ourselves in, gives her unique insights into human behavior and what people are really thinking. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's so great to be here. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Um, and and for reading the book, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. We're very happy with the book, uh, Truth and Lies. Yeah. Very proud you. of it. It's so, very good. It's it very a, good. It was a big effort and it was so great when it, thank you. Yeah, it was great when it when it got finally printed and launched and it's very exciting. So yeah, we're, we're, we're really happy about uh, talking about it and, and uh, yeah, helping helping people just make better judgments in the situations that they're in. So go ahead. So your book covers a variety of areas in our life, including genuine deceptions, work, life, friends, and family. But today we're going to focus on the section in the book about dating. And as you say, 93% of all communication is nonverbal. So it is important that we see these signs to help us date or in our current relationships. Now in the book, you talk about scanning and you remind us to do this plus put the scanning into context. Can you explain what this process is? Yeah. First of all, I just want to I want to talk about the 93% of the data statement that you just made. So this is really interesting um, because lots of people are like, oh great, 93% is nonverbal. I I can communicate most of what I need to communicate without even saying a word. It's it, it, so here's here's the the reality around that. Okay, a study, the classic study was done by a guy called Dr. Albert Morabian, and he concluded that the total impact of a message is based on 7% words only, 7% words, but 38% tone of voice volume, rate of speech, vocal pitch, 55% facial expressions and hand gestures, so body language. So it's the 93% is made up of the the tone of voice, how you use your gestures, and it's also important to note that it's it's 93% of the data that our brain wants in order to make a judgment about somebody else's feelings and intentions toward us as nonverbal. So the 93% is giving us the emotional piece. It's it's what, what, what we're looking for to understand really the emotions, the intentions that are going into the message. 
so so I just it's it's worth it's worth mentioning that um and so basically our scan system is we came up with this because we were talking about it just even the reason for writing the book we judge people. Everybody judges people. Everybody makes judgments, snap judgments. The minute somebody walks into a room, you decide, do I like this person? Do I not like them? You know, you just, from, from the second you set eyes on somebody, you make a decision. You can't help it. We all do it. And so we came up with this system to help people to make better judgments because sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we make a judgment, you know, this person means something toward me. This person likes me. This person doesn't like me. And we're spot on, right? Sometimes we're absolutely correct and we get it right. And we're like, well done us. And sometimes we don't. And we think, gosh, how did I get that so wrong? How did I, I was so sure that person was, you know, either coming on to me or, you know, that, that they were like trying to move away from me. They weren't interested. They were interested in my friend. How was I so wrong? So what we're trying to do is take that moment where we make the judgments and to help people get it right more of the time in different situations, right? So we came up with this scan system. The S in scan stands for suspending our judgment. So you're in a situation, you make a judgment, and it's going, hang on, that could be correct. It could be the right decision I'm making there, the right judgment. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that in the shelf for a minute. I'm just gonna suspend that judgment and take a moment, take a breath, stand back, be mindful of what else is going on, take in all of the key signals that I'm seeing here. Because also sometimes we tend to focus on one overriding signal that we're getting from a body language perspective. So, you know, and we might all already have some notion that it means something because we all, you know, we all click through to different articles on the internet and we we learn things like, oh, well, you know, if you cross your arms, it means you're closed to me, which I'll talk a little bit more about that, but which might or might not mean somebody is closed to you. But because you've read that and you think that's the truth, you might go, "Oh gosh, that person standing there is arm." You know, I'm talking to them; their clo- their arms are, are are crossed in front of them, and so my judgment right off the bat is they're closed to me. They don't like me. They don't want to be talking to me. And we've taken that one piece of body language, so it, then it overrides anything else that might be happening. Okay, yeah. so. The S, suspend judgment, okay? And so we're going to look at what else is going on. And then we have the C in scan is context. So where are you? Like what environment are you in when this moment of body language that you're interpreting is happening? Are you, you know, in a crowded space? Are you in a safe space? Are you, you know, who else is around? What social context are you in? So what physical, what social, what psychological context? are you in? How are you feeling? What have you brought with you? Like, are you, have you had an awesome day? And so you're bringing with you this, you know, you're riding high on some great feeling. That's part of the context. It's part of like a psychological context. Or have you had a terrible day and you're bringing all that baggage around you as you come into wherever you're interpreting this body language? So the context is very important. Okay. And then 
the A in scan is for ask, ask what else. So again, what kind of a day, what are you bringing to the situation that you might be projecting onto somebody else or, you know, what else could be going on and what other dramas are going on in the room? If you're, you know, what's, what else is happening in your social context? So it's just asking around, you know, what else could be going on in the context with you, with other people. And then N is form a new judgment. So we look at that initial judgment we made and we go, so now that I've looked at all these other circumstances and taken everything else into account, am I forming a new judgment about what's happening or am I sticking with my old judgment, which could be right. I'm not, we're not saying it's wrong. It could be right, but it's, it's, that's the moment to make a decision. Do I form a new judgment or do I stick with my old judgment? And then actually in the book, we give some, some good ways to test if you are correct or like, you know, how, how right you might be and what you can do, like just ways to test, like, you know, so I've decided that that person actually is checking me out or they do like me. How can I test that without taking too much risk? Uh, so yeah, so the scan is followed with with ways to test. I like that. So people need to get the book. Yeah, <laughs> people need to get the book. We do spend a lot. Of- people need to get the book to test, and and that leads. Yeah. We do spend a lot of time. <laughs> Check the test some Strategies, <laughs> strategies to risk free tests. <laughs> <laughs> that actually leads into my next question, which is perfect. Which is, what are some of the nonverbal signs that someone is checking you out in person? Okay, I'm glad that's a great question. And uh, so one way I, we like to look at this is is the idea of being checked out because we have a whole chapter on someone's checking you out and being checked out. And so the idea that, you know, when you're in a shop, you're in a store and you're you're checking something out to decide if you want to buy it or you don't want to buy it. There's a lot of the same kinds of, of body language signs as you would have around an object that you're checking out. So you're you're in the shop you you think you like something you're going to you're going to get closer to it you're going to look at it you're going to have some prolonged eye contact uh you you know maybe you're going to look at it many times you're going to pass it in the shop and then come back to it and look at it again and then depending on what it is you might pick it up you might bring it closer to you um you might move it to other areas in the shop you might try it on depending on what it is take it for a test drive so all of these these types of signals are the same if you're checking somebody out in a you know in in a social setting you'll get closer to them prolonged eye contact targeting with your eyes, so looking at them many times. Somebody might look at you many times. Uh, they might move closer to you. Now, there's also sort of classic flirting, um, you know, hair displays where you're showing off. Basically, the hair display is people showing, just uh, unconsciously showing off their genetic health. So, you know, by by tousling your hair, it shows off your hair is healthy and you're in you're in good genetic health for procreating. It's something that animals do as well. They display to each other, or it's, <laughs> or it's, it's also showing off. You know where you st- like your how much power you have in in the uh, in the social hierarchy you're in. Uh, you know, depending on how you've how you've done your hair, it's showing off how much money you've spent on your hair. You know, like there's all sorts of of things around hair displays. Um, so. Th- 
so somebody might be displaying their their good genetic code and their good health by uh, by playing with their hair. Um, again, proximity is really important. How close they are? Are they touching? That's like a you know ownership. Are they trying to 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 move you in some way, like physically to touch you, to to direct you? So those are all ways that people might check you out and show that they're interested as well. Nice. So I'm going to move into um, if we're on a first date and what are some of the key signs from a nonverbal point of view. I I imagine that if someone on a date's interested in you, it's probably very similar signs to what you've spoken about now, unless there's anything else to add. I'd also like to talk about what the signs are if they're not interested in you so you can just wrap the date up and move on. Yeah, if they're interested, again, they'll be they'll be interested. Their energy will be they'll be leaning in, leaning forward. There'll be lots of eye contact and prolonged eye contact. If somebody's really interested in you, they they might start anticipate like anticipating what you're going to say. They might be leaning in. Their energy is forward. They're they're beginning those early stages of infatuation, of mirroring, of smiling when you smile, and you know, drinking when you drink, and being in kind of a tuned in tune with you. Similarly, or sorry, I guess the contrast of if they're not interested, if they're not interested, they'll be probably sitting back. Uh, not giving you a lot of eye contact, looking away. Their energy might be very back and and uh, away from you, down. Maybe they're interested more in something else. They're focusing more on, I don't know, their phone or, <laughs> and I'm sure mm. we've all been there. I'm yeah. being in a social situation or on a date with somebody who's just like, for what else is going on. Now, then again, the phone can be, it's funny, actually, in the book, we talk a lot about uh, about the presence of having your, your device with you and how distracting that can be and how that instant gratification, knowing you're going to get, you know, the message coming in, the buzz and 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 all that encompasses so so but but on a first date are they more interested in what's going on on their device than they are in you i i would say that could be a sign as well a, a non-verbal sign if they're more interested in something else and or in themselves so yeah moving away from you yeah I, th- those are those are all good non-verbal signs for somebody not that interested maybe time to Maybe time to cut and run. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) So I believe actions speak louder than words. And I've always said this. uh, I think my parents actually sort of taught me that. So I usually look for clues if someone is lying to me for this. What are some nonverbal signs when someone's lying to you? Ah, okay. So, so this is a great question and a great area to talk about, Sarah. So there are no surefire signs that someone is lying to you. Let's just okay. get that out of the way. There's no, there's no uh, uh, one, you know, there's a lot of people think if someone touches their nose, for example, uh, it's called like the, the Pinocchio tell, but, you know, it'd be great if there were a sign that, you know, like Pinocchio tells a lion his nose grows, it would be fence like a fantasy. Someone okay. lies and their nose starts to grow and it's plaints <laughs> the nose on their face that someone's lying. But sadly, that is just not the case. We are all, all of us, well, probably, you know, most people are uh, very adept at lying. It's one of our most important social skills, lying. We lie every day. We lie to, you know, to, 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 to save people getting upset. We lie to make people feel better. We lie about all kinds of things every day. So, and we're all very good at lying. So surely if you are in a social situation where somebody 
wants to lie to you, where somebody has, you know, set out to portray something that is not truthful, they might be able to get away with it. Because as I say, we're all quite good at lying. They might have figured out how to, you know, how to, how to, how they're going to play it um, to, to, to get, to get the lie by on you. Okay. So, but here are some ways if you think somebody is lying to you, uh, that you can, get a better idea if they are. So you want to, it's more about the story about, about what they say. Okay. So, you know, often somebody will tell you a story. And then if you think the story just sounds beyond truthful and incredible, uh, and the details of the story are incredible, you can go back and, and ask about some of the details and number one, see if the details change because if the details tend to change, then the story could be made up. So there's a lot of sort of more verbal ways to, you know, to, to tell if someone's lying um, or, you know, if they're breathing, if their words change, if they, if they answer in a way that's not direct. So if they answer about themselves in the third person, that's another good way to tell that they're distancing themselves from what they're saying. They're, they're, they're not totally implicating themselves in their story by, 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 you know, making it a third person. Sometimes their reactions, like if they react kind of incredulously to, to your questions, or if they, th- th- I would say it's more of behavioral changes. And especially if you know the person, and you notice their behavior is different. So if you have a baseline of what their normal behavior is and you think they're acting really incredibly, then that could also tip you off that maybe actually what they're what they're telling you is a lie. So the other ways to tell sometimes are if people are uncomfortable lying, they might be uh, they might be blocking you out. They might be um, you know, putting things between, like holding on to their computer or holding on to the, a book or, you know, hugging the desk or hugging a pillow or so, they might be, you know, keeping something close to them that's kind of blocking. They might be looking down in a way, blocking their eyes, shielding their eyes. But what's really difficult about lying is those also could be signs of stress. And sometimes signs of stress are the same as signs of lying. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so traditionally, the idea of the shifty-eyed liar has, you know, made its way into popular, into mainstream. This idea of someone's lying, they're they're shifty, they're you know, th- their eyes are looking, they're shifting their weight. But as I say, if someone really wants to lie, they'll have figured out a way to look you directly in the eye to go. I don't want to look shifty, and I don't want to blink too much because those actions are associated with lying. So I'll be very calm and I'll be very still and I'll look you in the eye and I'll make sure that I'm not fidgeting with my hands because again, those are actions associated in mainstream folklore with lying. So on the one hand, if somebody is looking very intently and very still and very calm and they're telling you a story it could be that they're trying to, you know, they're, they're just lying really well. They're covering up the lie. Or it could be that they're feeling stressed and trying not to look stressed because they're worried that you're going to think they're lying. This is why it's very, very tricky for uh, people to detect if somebody is lying or telling the truth. And even people that are trained in that area only have slightly better than a 50-50 chance at really telling if somebody's lying to them. So it's a whole, it's nonverbal cues. 
It's establishing baseline behavior. It's re-questioning people to see how their story might change. All of these are some are, are some of the ways you you can start working at at uh, telling if somebody is telling you a lie. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does, and it also sounds like you need to be conscious of the way that you might be questioning someone and not putting too much pressure so you don't accidentally put them into a stressful state, even if if they're innocent, I suppose. So it's a little being conscious of yourself in, in the conversation too, if you want to get down to the truth. Yeah, sure. Like we've, we've all been in those situations where you're <laughs> slightly suspicious and then you put yes. somebody on the spot yes. and, and then they do go into this kind of like attack mode <laughs> yeah. or the, or, you know, like like the kind of fight or flight they go into either like they're you know they go I'm just not going to say anything right now because I don't want to get myself further into trouble because they're suspecting me or I'm shocked that they're asking me because of course I didn't do anything but you know they, and this is what we cover in the book it so much depends on contexts and what we're bringing to a situation about how we make these judgments are they lying are they cheating you know we've got some great chapters about that yeah, so the context is really important. And absolutely, as you say, you, you want to be careful at, how, at your line of questioning and how bright the light is in the room to make sure they don't feel like they're having the third degree. <laughs> so what are some physical signs of a narcissist and what do they do physically in a relationship? Like the nonverbals, obviously. Okay, so... Right, right. So narcissism, that's, again, that's, um, that's a, it's a great question. And every people talk a lot about narcissism nowadays. Um, it's it's a buzzword, I suppose. But it's, I feel like it's at overused the end of the day, it's, a, now. it's a real technical. I think the word narcissist is overused, but I, you know, I I, I think uh, narcissism, as it's a, a technical psychological uh, diagnosis, you know, diagnosis of somebody. I think for us, from a nonverbal perspective, uh, we tend to look at uh, instead of using the word narcissist somebody who's extremely self-interested and that works better for this discussion. So if you look at a relationship between people, you're looking at a good relationship or hopefully an equal relationship is where you're self-interested. Of course, we're all self-interested. So we need our needs met or we want our needs met. So we're looking at some balance between, you know, having our own self-interest met and being selfless toward the other person to meet their interests and their needs and desires. So the narcissist and in, in inverted commas or the very self-interested person will only be self-interested. And everything that you, and so from a sorry from a non-verbal perspective, they'll be very internally focused, looking toward themselves. I mean the whole concept of narcissism came from narcissus narcissus loving his own image, seeing his his image mirrored back to him in in the water and just falling in love with himself. So from a non-verbal, they're 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 always referring back to themselves. It is it tends to be more verbal than non-verbal. Uh, but yes, they're always referring back to themselves, more interested in themselves. Anything that you yeah, might- they make everything about themselves. Yeah, there there could be a grandioseness about their actions. Sure, there could be a you know everything you do is feeding into them and how important they are and how you know great they are. So they could display some grandiose gestures, taking up more space, being louder, demanding more 
physical space, standing taller, uh, taking up more territory, uh, that kind of, uh, yes. those kinds of gestures. But yes, and verbally referring back to themselves a lot. So, yeah. So, what about the player? They know how to play the game, so to speak, and therefore give you the attention that you want. They can, um, they're very smart, so they'll obviously know sort of what the signs are that they're into you. So, how do you read someone like that that plays the game and is pretty smooth? Well, I suppose we go back to the idea of the context. And when we talk about players, where are we? Where are we in that interaction? Where are we in that in that game, I suppose? Because I think we're all worried about is that person a player in uh, you know, in in when we're dating and in life, are we being played? And I think the first thing to do is to look at our own position within that and decide, especially if you're on a if you're on a date or meeting somebody uh, in some situation, a social situation. If you've shown up, then you're also playing. You're you're in the you're in the arena if you like. So I, I like to uh, think of this movie um, called Crazy Stupid Love that was out a few years ago. I don't know if yes. you're familiar with it. I love but that. But it made Ryan Gosling more famous. <laughs> it was, it Shit, was a great movie where Steve Carell his, <laughs> loses his mojo and his wife leaves him. And it's, and you, you know, you see he's wearing like all these baggy clothes and sneakers and he's got kids and he's, he's lovable Steve Carell. But you know, he goes to a bar to drown his sorrows. And there's Ryan Gosling, who basically, you know, he is like so cool and he looks amazing and all the women in the bar are like dying to meet him. And he just, you know, he's at this bar every night and he takes home a different woman every night. And Steve Carell decides to get schooled by him. Okay. But the thing is, they're in a bar and the women that have gone there are wanting to meet somebody. And so, yes, he's a player. So Ryan Gosling is absolutely a player, but the people that, you know, the other people that have shown up, they're looking for that adventure. And in fact, um, the Emma Stone character, who is Steve Carell's daughter, who shows up wanting to meet someone just like Ryan Gosling. She wants to meet that guy. She wants to go home with that guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess he's not hanging around in a church bazaar, you know, he's at a bar <laughs> where people go and get picked up, right? Exactly. So, so I'd say, um, so I'd say a lot of a lot of what might tip you off to the player is the environment that you are in and your part in it. So if somebody is smooth like Ryan Gosling and telling you everything you want to hear and and giving you all those great, you know, targeting gestures and flirt gestures and being super leaning forward, giving you energy, interested in what you have to say, I think you have to look at where you are when that is happening and why you've shown up. And if you are, if you've shown up because you're receptive to that, I think it's difficult to, to go into situations where you're meeting people or on first dates because there is a certain element of risk. Absolutely. And, and some of it is instinct, some of it is, you know, what you bring, the context, and, and, uh, and also just looking at the whole picture, looking at the whole picture, looking at if somebody is, if, they're, if you feel they're playing you, if they're coming on to you, if you're telling you what you want to hear, have you shown up because you want that? Or is it quite surprising that they're doing that? Are you thinking, oh, I wasn't expecting that in this particular context? And so why are they doing that? Is it just a great, you know, chance, you know, meeting my life partner in this, you know, in this uh, unusual circumstance. 
and then to give it time to to look at everything that's going on in the moment to take in all of the key signals. Are they trying to move you out quickly? Are they trying to hustle you out the door? Because that might just also be a indicator that they just want to get you home and, you know, and yeah. then that'll be it. But if that if that's what you want, then that's okay too, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I hope that that makes sense. Definitely. Um, you, know, you talk about instincts in your book between navigating genuine instincts and negative talk. These are two very different things and instincts can caution us to protect, protect us as well, which is vital for our survival. But it can be really hard for some people to decipher between you know, instincts and court, which are giving us caution versus flat out just negative self-talk. How can someone tell the difference with this internal dialogue of instincts versus negative self-talk? That is an excellent question. I'm sure one many people struggle with. Such, I think everybody I know has experience with that. So I think what's really interesting is um, that instincts, uh, speaking about instincts, one of our instincts is as human beings, we default to negatives when we don't have enough information about somebody or or an environment or signals that we're getting. So if you don't, but one of the things we do with our in our business actually is we help people from the moment they walk into a room to use their nonverbals, to use their body language to stand out and to win trust and to gain credibility around themselves and their message. Because, and one of the things we we tell our clients is when people don't have enough information about you, they they can't help it. They they make a knee-jerk uh, judgment, and they default to a negative assumption about you. So yeah. they go, I don't have enough information, and therefore this person's going to be bad for me. And the story we like to tell is, in the days of prehistoric human beings, if you were lying in your cave with your family at night, okay, and you hear a rustling outside the cave, what has kept us alive and what has allowed us to evolve is our negative bias, which tells us that it's likely to be a predator outside the cave. It's likely to be the saber-toothed tiger coming in to eat us, rather than us going, eh, it's probably nothing. I'll turn around and go back to sleep. <laughs> mm. So this idea of defaulting to negatives is something that is hardwired into our brain. It's hardwired in, in our brain that we will, if we don't have enough information with insufficient data, we default to negative. So that's a good instinct that we have that's kept us alive. I think the problem that we have with that now is that generally we're not going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. It's not really part of our reality anymore. <laughs> well, you never know, but generally not. <laughs> we're generally in pretty, you know, in, in safer situations, in social situations. However, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're in a dark alley at night and those instincts take over because you don't have enough information. And that's absolutely excellent that that instinct is taking <laughs> over to say, I'm in a dark alley. I don't have enough information. I can't see what's around me. I hear a loud noise. Get out, right? Get out of here. So, but in a social, you know, with people around, you're likely to have enough, to be in a safe enough environment that uh, you're not going to get eaten, you're not going to be under threat. So, uh, I think 
it also depends what you've brought with you into that situation. So, as I was saying before, if you've had a terrible day, everything's gone badly for you, uh, you know, you didn't make the sale at work or whatever has happened in your in your day-to-day life that's gone really badly – you know, you bought this new dress, you put it on, it doesn't look the same as it did on the shop, it's too tight, you know, the makeup, you're having a bad hair day, whatever it is, and you go out and you're feeling a little anxious and like maybe low self-esteem, that definitely can spin, can spin out of control for you, can bring it, like have a downward spiral where you're, you're feeling a bit cruddy. And then you think the person that I I'm, I see over there that I kind of like, I thought they were looking at me and, oh, I don't think they're looking at me anymore. It, it would be easy to go into a downward spiral around that. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, so, and it might be hard to, you know, your instinct will be, well, they don't like me because they looked away. And then your anxiety will feed into that downward negative spiral of, of uh, how you feel about yourself. It's a balance, isn't it? It's, it's being aware of it, I think. Similarly, if you've had an awesome day and you go to, into a social situation, you're feeling on top of the world, you might see everything in a very positive light, which might or might not work for you. You know, It might be that somebody actually looked at you once and is looking away because they're interested in somebody else, but then you think they're totally interested in you because you're having such a good day and that person looked at you and you know, like, you know what I mean? You can, things can spiral, can spiral in, into positivity as well. However, I'd say with the negative, it's ang- feel, feelings of anxiety that you bring into a situation will take that, that uh, negative self-bias and make it spiral downward. Uh, so yeah, the important things to think about are the context, the environment that you're in, uh, and what else you've brought and ask yourself what else you're bringing to the situation. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it's the actual language that is happening in the dialogue within yourself. If it's super negative and just putting yourself down and things like that, usually that's just negative self-talk, whereas it could be more cautionary language, which isn't negative language. It's being cautionary, which is instincts as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, um, but that's, I, I, you know, we deal a lot with that in the book and we talk about uh, different ways to test, you know, if you're feeling down to ask yourself, I think it's a, a really good process to go through. Uh, and one that, that personally I have been going through more and more and more in social situations and people that, you know, that I know that have read the book, they're even friends of mine that are like, that's, it's been so useful just when you're, because no two situations are the same either, right? Like yeah. if you're in a social situation, something terrible happens and then you bring that anxiety into the next situation it's a different context it's a different situation it doesn't mean that because something happened that one time it's going to happen to you again or the same things are going to occur it doesn't mean that you've learned from the situation of course you've gone oh you know last time I thought that person really liked me and I I jumped the gun and then I felt like a bit of an idiot because I because I moved in. So you might check yourself and go this time and this is where our scan system comes in. This time I'm just going to just going to you know think about this for two minutes. I'm going to take a few breaths. I'm going to observe what's going on around me at the moment. I'm going to observe the person, give them a little bit more of an opportunity to show whether or not they are interested in me. Are they going to look at me again? Am I going to catch them looking at me for a fourth or a fifth or a sixth yeah. or a seventh time? Um, you know, if somebody looks at you seven or eight times from across the room, 
that's a pretty good indication they're looking at you. They're looking at you multiple times and they might be interested in you. And then we also give ways to test that, you know, just to make sure are they looking at you or are they looking at the person beside you? Are you absolutely sure they're looking at you? You can move to a different spot in the room and just test that out. So if they're still looking at you, it's like, okay, so maybe they weren't looking at my friend. Maybe they're not looking at the person behind me. Maybe they are looking at me. You know, and then we give you nonverbal things to do to test that. Like, you know, well, try looking back at them and try holding their gaze for a couple seconds and see if that works. Will they hold your gaze as well or do they look away and move on? Yeah. So suspending your judgment about the situation, taking in all the other information about what's going on, looking at the context. All of this is so, so important into, and this comes back into the negative self-talk Also talking yourself out of the negative self-talk, going, wait a minute, where am I? What am I bringing to this situation? Why am I having so much anxiety at this moment? You know, what happened today? Maybe I just need to to, to go off for five minutes and have a few deep breaths and, you know, just to get myself in a better frame of mind for Mm. being in this situation. Yeah. So it just sounds like you're really teaching people how to have mindfulness and self-awareness really and just pause for a moment in life and before you quickly make a rash decision or judgment on something. Yes, absolutely. Unless you're in a dangerous situation, in which case you should always trust your instincts. If your instincts are saying, you know, I'm, this person's going to cause me harm, then you need to get out of that, right? You need to get yourself away. But otherwise you need to, yeah, I think being more mindful, exactly as you put it, just taking a moment to to take stock of what's going on, of what's going on internally, of of being more mindful in the situation. It doesn't take long either. That's the thing. And it gives you that extra time to make sure that if you are making a decision that you're going to act on, that you've taken as much into account as you can, that you're not putting yourself in risky situations, that you're not putting yourself in situations where oh, I'm going to get hurt again because I acted too quickly and they weren't ready or, you know, I, I, I acted impulsively. We're trying to take some of the impulsive acting out of, uh, you know, impulsive reacting and acting, yeah. which sometimes, sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, right? So, yeah, and then, and then just to make better judgments because we're all going to judge anyway. So, why don't we just try to make better judgments? Yep. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tracy. I feel like we've only touched on a little bit of your wisdom that's been shared in the book, particularly because we've just focused on one section. So anyone out there, if you want to learn more, make sure you get yourself a copy of Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks again for having me. Great to talk to you. And I hope uh, your listeners enjoy the book. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. You have just listened to Our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted to our next episode. Connect with us via Twitter. And if you have any questions, please email my question at ourdeepestsecretsrevealed.com. Help us get the word out there and email a friend or two today about this episode. You can go over to iTunes and share the episode directly to a friend via a tweet, Facebook Messenger share, or post it to your profile. Otherwise, you can copy the link and email it. Thank you so much for sharing. Until next time, keep shining. Enjoyed this episode of our Deepest Secrets Reveal? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's like leaving a tip. 
and really appreciated. Thank you.